The following Markers on the Map special contains full spoilers for Ghost of Tsushima. This one has been a long time coming, listeners. This is something we've been talking about doing for uh, quite a while. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no there's no better way to introduce this by just saying Ghosts of Tsushima is one of the best games I think the two of us have ever played. Without any shred of doubt in my mind, without any question... It's probably, not just in general, one of the best open world games, but it is one of the best games I've ever played. And it's good that we key in on the fact that it's a game, because that becomes important as you play through Ghost of Tsushima, the idea that it's a video game. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will get to our thoughts on that later in the show. But before we get started, no fluff this week. This is a very special episode of Markers on the Map, um, all about Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, There was a spoiler warning before the intro played, I believe. But we're going to say it here and again. <laughs> this is totally spoilers. Um, even if we don't hit every plot point, we are absolutely going to be talking about the ending. We are not going to be talking about the Iki Island DLC today. We are mostly going to focus on Jin's journey. Uh, and before we get started, as usual, I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with my good friend, Robert. I know how we've been, but how are we doing for this one? <laughs> uh, Honestly, pretty fine after our break. We'll, we'll... Yeah couple minute break that's pretty all right i want we're we're doing two in one night to finish off the year finished up hawkeye you know all that good stuff and we are here to finally do something we've been you know really itching to talk about we just needed to find the right time to do it and what better way to end 2021 off with ghost of tsushima this is a game originally released by sucker punch for the playstation 4 back in july of 2020 but was re-released this year 2021 as a ps5 you know director's cut which included Mm -hmm. new dlc and all the additions in the legends expansion um that came with it and the dlc is a beautiful thing that we're going to you know get to at some point it's a whole separate story it's got a lot of connections to the main plot it's got its own unique ideas Um, But today we are focusing solely on Jin's journey and the characters and systems that go along with that. Before we we touch on Ghost, um, Sucker Punch, they are known for Sly Cooper back on the PS2. That's the the trilogy, and then they did a PS3 one, I believe. It was their first major game, I would assume. I think it was their first major, like where they became a household name. Everyone at least recognized that name yeah back in the ps2 where mascot platformers collectathons jack and daxter ratchet and clank and sly cooper were like the big three and of course those companies you know naughty dog and sucker punch and um insomniac went on to make a variety of different things Mm -hmm. um including going in a more mature direction for naughty dog like uncharted and the last of us um sucker punch went in the superhero direction on the ps3 with two games and some dlc in the infamous saga where it was kind of like a foray into the open world genre where you played as cole 
He has electric powers, you have choices between good or evil, and Cole could be either one, so you kind of had some influence on how your game played out, as black and white as those choices might be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sucker Punch continued to impress on the PS4 with Infamous Second Son, a game that I believe is on the Plus Collection, with an early look at what particle effects could be achieved on the PlayStation 4, and I think the P- running it on a PS5 will, will net you that 60 frames per second. Um, that really took the open-world idea of a superhero game to the next level. You mm-hmm. had four different sets of powers, and you had a really cool story to go along with it. So where do you go from there? In their, you know, 2014 and 2020, there are, there are six years that... that that's a gap between second sun and ghost of tsushima so it's not just the particle effects that get better it's sucker punch building on this idea of the open world genre and while we might not have the power to hover or fly in this one the movement in ghost of tsushima feels not only better than most other games but more responsive and you know generally easy so i think the first thing we should start off with before we touch on any plot or anything is the movement in ghost of tsushima let's let's just go off uh on foot movement uh most games tend to this including red dead red dead was very sim like where everything was actually like foot on like foot to floor like walking like your character can actually trip and fall over and stuff like that yeah and your horse can hit a tree and get yeah you know knocked over and that and that's not a bad thing that's you know for a game like red dead that's it's fine like actually we expected something like this because how much at that moment we expected rockstar to push the envelope for something like red dead they've been hyping it for a long time you know it's been rumored roughly and then they did it with this this is a game forward before anything and that's not a bad thing because obviously sometimes like oh that means it's not the movement is not very realistic so the immersion is kind of you know destroyed and it's not really you know that immersed but what i will say is that it get it gets rid of all the headaches and and sort of frustration and just kind of it's cool if, it's cool for the first couple times, not cool when you're playing it for the rest of the game type mm-hmm. of mechanics. It doesn't have you actually climb actual detail, like how a real person climbs. Sort of just, it's the foremost, it's a game first. You have to just travel and, you know, you're walking over, you can like run over mountains, not run over, run over rocks because boulders won't really hold you back that much. Obviously, you can't yeah, climb Yeah, your mountain. horse can trip, but it's yeah. if they're coming down like an actual sheer cliff, they'll trip, but then the horse will get back up as as if you're playing a video game here. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's... It's one of those things where the uh, the walking and and riding your horses, it, it, it's just, it's just simple and it's easy and it's in a in a positive way. It's not simple and like oh this you know there's PS2 games that did this better. No, it still feels you know like it's very much Fluid. upgraded from any any game. It's it's not it's not on par with Red Dead, but that's not a bad thing. It's sort of in a in a good way and. Mm-hmm how the movement is just you know get to the point not having to travel long distance you know frustratingly you know like if in red dead if you're on a mountain you have to really find a safe path down you can't just sort of either jump off or sort of like kind of get on rocks and kind of hop down you can't really do that in this game you pretty much can yeah and one thing i like on the theme of movement is the idea that the game wants you to stay moving 
whether mm. you're moving, where you're going at a walking speed or trotting along at your horse or running, the game doesn't want you to stop moving if you don't want to. That's why I appreciate the fact that Sucker Punch just lets you press a button to collect something, even when you're on top of your horse. It's not like something where Horizon Zero Dawn will give you an animation for, like, picking the flower up off the ground, or you have to get off of the horse to pick a flower on um, Red Dead Redemption. You're just picking things up when the prompt comes up. You don't have to slow down for anything. Um, your horse will come to you with a whistle no matter where you are. You can cross mm-hmm. a river that the horse can't cross. You whistle, that horse will be right there with you. It's yeah. like it understands that it's a game, and it's such a breath of fresh air that something this detailed would go that route with movement and just general mechanics. I really just marvel at it to this day. Yeah, it's it's sort of... If you if you want to, uh, it's still the mentality of if there's a mountain that has a, a actual, like uh, what were the, the 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 sacred temples, you can still climb it, and there would be a set path, and it's still not gonna be as difficult as climbing a mountain, like I said, compared to because they're both open war games. I, I guess the way the reason why I compare them so much is because they're both open war games at such a different time. Mm-hmm. such a you know 1800s to this is like what the 1517 yeah 12 yeah goes is much older but still same concept it's a different time different era and sort of an open uh a world that has not been you know traveled or discovered by humans yet mm-hmm. it's still you know a mystical world out there and you can find it's cool very things. lush vibrant nature is in full force at yeah. its full effect and, you know, at various points, you can even bow to, like, signs and wildlife. Where, mm-hmm. Like, like frogs will start jumping out of the ground or fish will start leaping out of the sea. There's a lot of... Mm-hmm. You can tell that it's a world that's lived in, but mm-hmm. not so populated to where it's been overtaken by, you know, a Machines, population. Hoes, it is, yeah, it is some like... of the most lush scenery I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, it's some of, the, some of the locations that give you such a like a gorgeous like view of the actual island itself and i think the island itself is a character and absolutely i I will say this with a hundred percent that the island and how you know they'd be like in this movie a car is a character like the the Mm -hmm. the millennium falcon's a character right like when it's when you see it's like oh i know same thing with this island when you see certain points or you see the island it's a character because when I was playing this, I would do the side quests first because the side quests actually were fun to do and the rewards were so much better in the sense of if you protected this island that you, you know, you swore to protect this island. And if you do that, the island will reward you with armor and skills and points and, and like all this new gear headbands headbands that would everything you, know. you do serves a purpose whether it's to enhance your skill enhance your health your um focus even your character just design yeah like even your <laughs> yeah. character just designing them it, it helped with that and so i actually had a reason to do side missions in the sense of if i save this island and i protect this island and i do everything in my power to do that i will be rewarded with abilities and tricks and points to unlock more abilities and so at some point i was actually probably ahead of what the game probably thought you know you would be there it's probably thinking oh this is like the minimal you know so let's make it like that so i'm over here with like good gear you know a a stronger bow or a really good move 
or technique and it's like I'm just, you know, slashing and going through enemies like it's nothing. Now, I actually feel like I'm the ghost, which is the point where it's sort of this facade of, oh, yeah, the but then now you're like, I'm sort of embracing this myth now that I have become sort of this protector of the island, even though most people who may not agree with it, I have become the protector of this island, and now I am that uh, sort of urban legend. Yeah, it's a 100% testament to good game design when you want to literally not advance the main story in favor of slashing a couple pieces of bamboo to raise a skill point up or go chase a fox Mm -hmm. so you can equip another charm or enhance the charms that you already have. Or sometimes you might want to go fight an enemy encampment because fighting enemy encampments in this game is fun. Um, Stuff like that. The scenery is also a big part of these side quests because if you just go down the main path and i tried this through a new game plus run i tried beelining the main story to see just how much of tsushima the main story covered and it's not that much so in order to see most i'd say 90 percent of what this game has to offer in terms of scenery you need to go to these side missions there's complete forests and Mm -hmm. little unique like plants and formations that you will only see if you go off the beaten path and Mm -hmm the game only serves to drive you off that beaten path every chance it gets it's a game where i would i would encourage at least upon your first playthrough to never fast travel yeah it's i fast travel when i actually went through every single location but when i'm on a different part of the island i will not fast travel i would want to actually discover the entire look like sceneries and like locations of the map yeah it's so varied that there's too much to miss by using fast travel um when you're going through for a hundred percent run it's Mm -hmm. just like no i mean even going through a different path or the same path a different way will yield some kind of different scenery the time Mm -hmm. of day will completely change how things look in this game it's very dynamic now i wish you could change the time of day after you beat it like you can in infamous but like you can forgive that because even at nighttime this game is absolutely beautiful yeah so while we're on the topic of scenery tsushima is you know it's divided into three very unique feeling parts Mm -hmm. the first one has the most vegetation and forestry it's what you expect from a uh, you know an open an world island, game that yeah. takes place in an, a, in a forest on an island mm-hmm. um it's very lush and green pampas grasses everywhere you can use that to hide in but at the same time it's very beautiful as you know evidenced by the game's opening you know the title drop where he's running oh, through the field so of pampas grass and it's it's, so it's classic good. I know, um, I know people bang on this, but, like, it's worth mentioning that that's probably the best title drop yeah. in a video game, even better than Breath of the Wild, which took my breath away, even though I'm not so hot on Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. but this, this, this made my jaw drop, it made my, I got goosebumps and everything. I and got I hyped, yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> now I'm hyped to play the rest of this game. Yeah, um, our second area of Tsushima is a little flatter. Yeah, it's agriculture, I think. I think that was the point. It was more sort of where the agriculture and all that fishing and stuff happens there. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of wheat fields. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of destruction, a lot of burned down places. It seems like our second area is where... Yeah. About this game where you you one you're at a very beautiful mountain and you're looking at this scene but then next thing you're at a town that's just been destroyed and you've like I said you've you just have this moment of my islands being destroyed and and you have this just gun wrenching feeling of like 
wow, like it's it's being torn apart and it's sort of like I said, you you swore to protect it, so now it's you want to do that. One of the most heartbreaking moments of the game to witness is the end of Act 1 transitioning into Act 2 when Jin and Lord Shimura are yeah. riding through a secret entrance that the Mongols don't really know mm-hmm. about. And it's very beautiful. It's covered. It's like trees are like covering this, you know, it's almost like a tunnel, but you can still mm-hmm. see the sun through it. There's wildlife and giant, beautiful flowers and grasses everywhere. And as soon as they exit, the skies just, are gray. Yeah. Gray, it's there's smoldering soot in the, ash. Uh, yeah, soot in it's the just water. Like, wow. It's just terrible. It feels like you're going into a different game mm-hmm. at that point, and it really does become a different game at that point because you're contesting with factions now. Um, Yarikawa's walls and and the people that are in it. You're mm-hmm. going to Umugi Cove to deal with like the thieves and pirates. Um, you're you're having a battle along the waterfront, and you know getting ships to to safety so that they can bring other samurai from from mm-hmm. from the mainland to help them and you're visiting omi village which is one of the more unique locations in that the trees are very fall like they have orange yellow and bright red leaves that aren't anywhere else on sushima and it's one of the most like jaw like we we always use jaw dropping when we talk about this game mm-hmm. but i think omi village and the red trees are it's like it's like PlayStation Six level. <laughs> yeah, this. I don't know how this game came out for PS4. This should have been built on the PS5 because I don't know how they did it on PS4. Because even the PS4 version is is good. Like it's, it's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. It ran at thirty, but I never had an issue with it on PS4. Yeah. It was PS4. Just, it I don't know how they did that. Yeah, I don't know how they yeah. did it. Like zero load times, even on PS4. So it's. And- it's Honestly, it's the particle effects that blow my mind because Sucker Punch really were like the ones that like used it the most. Like Mm -hmm. they used it back in Second Son and then they brought it, you know, full swing with this. And, you know, you can see a lot of it just you can put whatever particle effects you want on in photo Mm -hmm. mode and just see see this magic happening in front of your eyes. Um, But beyond the second section of Tsushima, we get possibly the starkest contrast in the third area. So we're going, you know, when we get to plot, we're going through a part of the plot that takes us through the the middle ground between the second and third area that is like a destroyed forest. It's nothing but grays and blacks with, you know, the night sky. But then we get to the ice level and it's completely different. And honestly, it's probably visually the most striking and the region I want to be in the most snow covers green trees but you can still see the green seeping through there are tall bamboo forests there are red bushes that just look it looks like blood on the snow all the time it's just oh my god the third area <laughs> i like ice level we all know i like ice level yeah the snow i really enjoy the snow and in, in the sense how do i put this in not such a weird way <laughs> when when you finish a battle and there's just your enemies are on the floor and it just has this like nice shiny just like you know white you know is you know when they when they tell you like it's white as snow snow is a very very bright pure white and yet to have something so just it, it's something weird about it but i understand i understand the art behind it to have Jin above, you know, his enemies and just, I just and there, you know, there's the bloods on the floor and it just has this weird, just like mood now. 
it's when he's at his most violent. So yeah. it's it's definitely showing you the violence in a more visual and visceral way than the, than the other two acts can because they're not in snow. Yeah, it's it, like I said, it's because when you look, you know, white is such a pure and such a peaceful color, and then you just see something so so bright and so dark compared. Like even the red's not a dark color; it's very dark compared to when it's behind white. So it, it's that's one of my favorite parts. Um, I'm, and I, I guess that brings to the point of I would say the fight mechanic and how yeah how so many sword wielding fighting games now just looks so weak and just mm-hmm. so minuscule compared to ghost in my opinion because it does it so well and and it's it's evolutionary just like the portrayal of violence in the environments that Jin goes through we start with a very basic setup mm-hmm. he's got a weak sword the, the samurai have been torn apart by the mongol invaders yeah there's, there's no, no more samurai yeah it. he's the yeah. last of his kind He's got damaged armor and a pretty lousy sword at this point. Mm-hmm. But you can go into battle. You can do your heavy and your strong attack. You know, your basic open world stuff. But then we get the addition of fighting stances, which mm-hmm. is what I think is the crowning achievement of the combat system in Ghost of Tsushima, partially mm-hmm. because Sucker Punch makes it so absolutely just flawlessly easy. Yes, agree. And fluid to 100% switch between agree. them. You can switch between all four of them 30 oh, you, times in 30 seconds. You could have a whole wave of enemies, and they're all different. They all need a different type. And it, it slows down, and it gets back right into the action so seamless that you can I said, you can take them all out no problem. And especially with some of the special abilities that you have, like uh, the the like quick pace slashing that you can do, mm-hmm. the, the thunder uh, the slash. Thunder one. Or, yeah, the thunder one. And then... The ghost stance is probably like one of the best ones you can do against a wave of a group of enemies. Then they just run away in mm-hmm. fear of what, you know, of sort of what they created because Jin would never have become this if it wasn't, you know, back against the wall. And yeah. he's already it's lost like, everything. It feels like a revenge mechanic in a way. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they put this focus of how much Jin has changed and. How much he's become this thing that, oh, you're worse than us, but it's sort of, well, who created him? Was it Jin or was it the invasion that did it? You know, who brought this ghost out? Yeah, and plot-wise, the Mongols also learn from Jin, especially towards mm-hmm. the end of the game. They learn from Jin, but they learn to to destroy while Jin's learning to defeat. There's there's a lot of ideology at play. Yeah, even though it's to destroy, it's to destroy the bigger evil so as far as fighting stances go we have our stone stance that's our basic you know hold your sword Mm -hmm. with two hands stance to fight off enemies that have swords so if you're ever on the edge about what stance i should use the game really does a good job of choreographing what stance to use Mm -hmm. and you know who to use it against there's one for shields that is actually pretty useful against most enemies i find but there's one that's especially useful, which is the staff um, enemies that have spears and stuff. They're probably the hardest enemies in the game. So Jin's, you know, R2 triangle um, stance will allow him to do, like, flips and kicks. And you can eventually learn how to parry these unblockable attacks. So at first you're dodging, but as you improve your skills, you can start parrying things that are choreographed with, like, a blue, you know, light. It is stone swordsman 
Water is for shield. Wind is for, shield. for spear. And then moon is for uh, moon is for the big guys. Only. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes senses. if a big guy has a as shield, you can use the moon stance. Like it's yeah. really versatile in that it doesn't force you to use the stances. It just mm-hmm. makes your life a lot easier when you easier. do. Yeah, 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 you could stick with one stance and really defeat all the enemies. But it's sort of how you can throw one single jab. And yeah, that could possibly defeat every enemy. But some enemies need to be thrown a hook or uppercut or, uh, you know, sort of just like other maneuvers to kind of... Because, you know, yeah, in theory it will work. But some enemies have other weak spots that, you know, a different maneuver will benefit more than using the same one. Plus, it's just fun to switch between all the styles because you can do it so fast. There's no cooldowns on this or anything. And, of course, Ghost Style comes in later and on. The and the cool and, little, yeah. like, abilities he can get, like the spears or mm-hmm. or the, like, smoke bombs or even just regular bombs. Sticky bombs that just stick on enemies. Yeah, Sticky Bombs is my favorite. It's the one I always have equipped. They'll just blow the up. The kunais are always You know, the kunai favorite. are amazing, especially when you get their attachments that lets you, like poison the enemies around you mm-hmm. and it'll just take out like five at once um there's wind chime there's there's a few things that help you with stealth mm-hmm. because you, oh, the you can play this game is, as a stealth game I, oh that's the one thing that i love about this game that you can go in you know bruce strength just go it doesn't in. punish you for doing any and either or no it's sort of like yes you know going in head first will be more difficult sometimes going the stealth route is a little bit faster but if you're not good with stealth it does not punish you like oh no you can't pass this like no you can do this part just going at it and not having to worry about stealth maybe some parts there is like oh yeah the game kind of has forced you but they're not very difficult it'll, it'll kind of yeah, guide the, you the, the forced ones i have are very choreographed like go here go behind this guy yeah this guy will move mm-hmm. yeah it will help you um I I don't know. It's just it's so much about this. I really, really want this game because if they say they're making a sequel, I want this to be in mainland Japan mm-hmm. very much because one of my favorite parts was the palace. I love sort of like the idea of being inside a major city in the palaces and how like gorgeous and like sort of how in one of my favorite movies game of death bruce lee it's that tower that idea of like the tower and when you're yeah. saving your you're, you're saving your uncle it reminded me of that the sort of you're going up against all towers to fight a wave of enemies in order to get to the top speaking of sequels before we get back to the to the game i had this weird idea because i've been think i know we were going to do this episode i know we were planning on it and i was thinking about a sequel to ghost of tsushima as well i for some reason i thought what if there was like a Sengoku era game with like Shinobi Ninja and they've all like like Jin Sakai's teachings have been passed down and now you're playing as a you know a ninja in the Sengoku era which mm-hmm. is the 1600s I believe I I thought something like that might work too um if they wanted to skip ahead in time and it, it you know it could take place wherever it needed to take place not necessarily Tsushima mm-hmm. um that was just an aside though um but yeah, we, we have so many tools at our disposal for your head-to-head samurai gameplay or your stealthy Ghost of Tsushima ninja shinobi um, style gameplay. And like we said, the game never punishes you for doing one or the other in the open world. There might be forced missions to do one or the other here and there, but the story missions are... Some of the side content is much harder than the story missions, including mm-hmm. Tales of Tsushima. Um, that's combat. 
and combat mm-hmm. is just as fluid as the movement. So with with those systems in mind and the idea that the game gives you everything you need just by going and doing stuff. If you need more health because this encounter is too hard, go rest at a hot springs. You'll get a little mm-hmm. cutscene. If you need more of your focus power, go strike some bamboo. It's a fun little mini game. Everything is fun. Let's mm-hmm. talk about plot. Japan is being inv- or Tsushima is being invaded but, yeah. so, by the Mongol army. So, so let's say Tsushima. This is a real place. This is actually a real island. I don't know if people yes. think like this is no. J- the Tsushima island is a real island off of Japan. I think it's like what the nor- it's like north of Japan off off the so. mainland. So it's part of Japan, but it's its own island contained, you know, its own people, its own, but still part of, you know, Japan, you know, tradition. It's Japanese yeah. uh, civilians. I guess from backstory from, from Jin's uncle, it's, he said that this place, this place used to be filled with savages, but it was the shogun that protected the people and made it to what it is today. So there's still history on the island. We don't know how old it is, you know, it might be a couple, but at least there is the idea that, you know, it's still, you know, there still might be these, you know, like you said, thieves and pirates living on the island. There's bandits everywhere, it seems like. Yeah, but it's sort of, it's the samurai who live on the island's duty to protect the island, not only from invaders, but from even the pirates or bandits that are on the island to still kind of protect and, you know, you know. Keep the island very civil. And it's a story that starts in Medias Res. There is an impending attack that happens at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The major giant action scene of Ghost of Tsushima is a battle between, I believe, 80 or around thereabouts samurai mm-hmm. and the Mongol army, where we are introduced to Koton Khan, who doesn't care about honor like the samurai have been trained to and believe in honor he's a he's just a savage warrior who throws you know wine on somebody and then sets him on fire yeah he he is the definition of know your enemy and understand what their falls are and he does it he's he says himself i understand your i read your language i've learned it i understand your ways i know what you guys will do and won't do and i use that to bend basically to bend your arm and to you know to you know to break you down. And and if you look at some of the logs, you'll understand that Kotun has studied everything. And that's mm-hmm. the most frightening enemy. An enemy who knows the ins and outs of what he's trying to take over. This isn't a man who's relying on brute strength. He's got plenty of brute strength, but he's combining brains with brawn for, for like, the ultimate villain. Like, you don't see yeah. that too much. Yeah, so he is pretty much what they would consider a savage. He's putting himself as i do whatever it takes to win a war so then they go to war but it's very sad for the samurai because most of them perish mostly all of them they all, all perish even Jin was supposed to be perished in the battle he was you know shot in the back with arrows and pretty much presumed dead yeah. uh captures you know kotal capture his uncle he takes him as a hostage and Jin is presumed to be dead you know he's not moving until alone uh, a bandit by the name of Yuna, he, you know, takes care of Jin and then heals him. And, you know, I don't know. To this day, I do not know if she did it in the kindness of her heart. Maybe she saw a fellow, you know, a fellow Japanese, you know, civilian down. Or even just a fellow Japanese person that, you know, that you're like, even though we live different lives, you're still, you know, human to me. We're still part of the same 
island. Like we're, we're all living on the same island. Maybe she did it to get a, a good word in with Jin, knowing that oh, this this guy is you know he's a lord, so maybe he can get me off the island to make. Well, remember, Japan. yeah, she wants to get him off the island. Definitely. Yeah. So or it's she wants like I said, to get off the island. It, but it, it's sort of the thing that it, she could have gone off the island multiple ways. She is a bandit. She knows probably some pirates, or she knows someone that can travel him to mainland Japan. But I think it's also the fact that her brother probably gets into trouble a lot, or they get into trouble, so they may not have many friends. So yeah, if Taka. if they can't use the underground, maybe they can use someone who actually has you know a full you know direct better line to, to ask the mainland. Than a samurai, yeah. right? Who better to ask than one of the few lords that actually, yeah, not only is he a samurai, but he's also a lord of the island. So when we get our story missions, we're opened up to multiple different characters. Mm-hmm. And Ghost of Tsushima's approach is that you can, you need to start the side missions with these characters. They are integral mm-hmm. to the actual plot. But yes. if you want to take the their remaining quest lines as you want, they all become non-mandatory. But we need to be introduced to the characters, and Ghost of Tsushima gets most of them out relatively fast. Sensei mm. Ishikawa is a samurai who's basically retired, and he was he's an archery teacher now, and he's he was the the tops of his top, like he was the top of the top, like he was so prideful and he was so hard headed in the sense of he wouldn't teach anyone unless he thought they were worthy enough, and he thought it was so much of this and that, and you know if if you weren't even remotely as good as him, don't even talk to him, but yeah he is he's the old guard, yeah he but at the same time it's shown that he's done some things in the past that people uh, not the public knows, but at least some of the higher ups that know what he's done, and so they're saying. It's better if you just retire and stop claiming of being not necessarily a samurai, but don't, you know, go around demanding a lot because it's sort of you've messed up a lot and you don't want to admit to it. And you don't you've made a lot of mistakes and a lot of headaches for us that, you know, we're going to you're going to keep your title, but don't you know, it's time for you to retire. Basically, they put him in a very early retirement. All Jin's comrades in this game uh, have their own edge to them, their own mm-hmm. removal, their own history. Yeah, their own skeletons necessarily in their mesh. Yeah, um, Lady Masako, she's pretty much out for revenge the whole game because her sons were killed on Komodo Beach. Well, what we know is that she was just a fellow lady samurai who learned, you know, who learned as she was, you know, fine. She had a family. She had a sister, she had, you know, grandchildren, and she had all this stuff. And then the invasion happened, her children went. Sadly, her children never came back, and that's one of the saddest parts. That not only did her children, her actual children, you know, her boys never came back. They were twins, I believe. Um, Yeah, and they found them, and there's a side mission. Yeah. It might be the main one. Hers are very sad. Yeah, they are tragic. Yeah, they're hung from a tree, and it's very sad, and she buries them on the lighthouse they used to play as children. Very sad. Her life is very much grim and full of sadness. Not only that, a bunch of bandits come and assassinate everyone in her family. She's the last one of her, not only of, like, in the kind of samurai, but the actual last of her family, like, lineage. Like, no one else's life, her children are gone her grandchildren are gone even she even says they even took the 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 babies and the children and you know she had to bury them and hers is very sad and you feel for her pain and you understand her revenge and you're sort of at least for me i root for her to actually find closure but at some points 
her tactics become too unnecessary. You're sort of you you're letting rage and revenge and anger blind you for what you're doing. You're letting civilians get hurt along the way. So I, I think it even shocks Jin at some points. Yes. Yeah. The 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 road that oh, she goes down, especially in some of those earlier missions with her. In in one side mission, there's a man just by just by not even proof, but just by rumor and name that he was a part of it, and she tries to behead him. And Jin says, yeah. "No, like we need him alive. Like even though he might have done something to it, he what he's done is less compared to what the actual person who's done this has done. But yet you're over here trying to behead him, like he's the one that re- is responsible for everyone you know to be buried. And they there is an actual fight. And when you fight, Jin does say, "If you betray me one more time, I will have your head." It's sort of. Yes, he they're friends, but if her rage ever crosses with her judgment again and he has to put you know, no stand between, it's her head and that's it. Like there's not gonna be a second chance. It, it's such good performances from Ishikawa and Lady Mako oh, too. Like the yes. way that the lines are delivered, the sarcasm in Ishikawa's voice and the sorrow mm-hmm. in Masako's is just like it's it's incredible and and to contrast these darker figures in the story we have a more comedic one probably the only comedic character in yeah. the game which is kenji who's Kenji's basically weird. a swindler he, but still <laughs> awesome <laughs> how would i uh, kenji reminds me of a certain character and i could explain him as that character he is ah uh, what character am i thinking he's he reminds me of a certain character from a certain show or movie and i was like that that's kenji i feel that's, like i know who him. you're thinking about i just couldn't who, put my finger on it i'm trying to really remember who, who kenji reminds me of he always get he want so maybe he'll come to us maybe it won't but kenji is the comedic relief i guess of the group he is the guy who is i will work and uh, you know who reminds me of marcus from borderlands not in the funny way oh, but yeah he's willing to work with anyone as if long as money and prof- yeah if it <laughs> yeah. benefits him he'll work with you so he works for some of the mcgolans but at some points he does say i never wanted to it was sort of just forced on me i had to survive jen like but then jen tells him even though it was the expand of you know inexpensive of other you know japanese like you were willing to work with the you know the enemy and so, so then he sort of figures it out and then he feels bad about it so he wants to to do good he actually says like i want to do good i want but he says whatever i do it just messes everything up even though i you know his intentions are good no matter what he does it just comes and you know it just you know hits him in the back and it's just sort of like ah like i messed up and he knows he messed up he has his foibles here and there but like he is the one who basically got Jin out when he was captured at the at the you know the intro of act three it was incredible (laughs) yeah he pretty much helps Jin get in his weird situations that work He's like, yep. hey, get in this barrel. And he's like, you're kidding, right? He's like, nope, get in this barrel. It's going to work. It's sort of a Metagross solid mode, like get in this cardboard box. Trust me, it's going to yeah. work. And it works. The barrel quite literally takes him to where he needs to go. And then, he, you know, you freed the people who are taken captured. On that, on a quick note, on that unresolved podcast thing, that little bit we had <laughs> a couple weeks ago, the guy that plays Kenji is, in fact, the guy that's, Spike is going up against in the beginning of live action Cowboy Bebop. I had to yeah. check. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, um, it's it's very his character is very funny. But I think at the end of the day, he does. He's the only character that actually grows to be better because he actually eventually does yeah. help people and not to be in his own like selfish ways. Yeah. So 
Kenji's, you know, the intro to his arc kind of leads us to another character in Jin's journey, which is Taka, probably mm-hmm. the tragic character of Ghost of Tsushima aside from our main uh. characters. Taka is, you know, he's a, a master craftsman mm-hmm. who gives us our greatest um, ability, the grappling hook. Oh, he hook. does. <laughs> a crafted blacksmith and gives us the grappling hook. He is the guy that no one... He, he Out of everyone, he is the guy that, like, I know what you're looking for, uh, Jin, and he makes him a grappling hook. And he's like, this will get you to where you need. But talk about a character with such a tragic history and such a tragic past. Even he to just his wants to help. last moments. He's such a... Wow, this nice guy is having the worst luck, and he's been dealt not only with the worst cards, but he's just been getting nothing but bad cards. If you know, if this guy had a hand, it would all be jokers because this this guy's just not having a good time. He's pivotal in the creation of the story of the ghost. It's really mm-hmm. him that kind of cultivates that. It might be you know rumors here and there, but it's really him mm-hmm. that cements it in. And he wants yeah. to do everything he can. He wants to be just like the ghost, is what Yuna says, upon Taka's fate, which is one of the saddest moments I've ever seen in a video game. Yeah. When Koten Khan comes out to taunt Jin and Taka, who are, you know, tied up mm-hmm. to a post. He he gives Taka the ability to kill Jin and to free himself. So, in his view, him and his sister basically have a free trip to the mainland. As long as he kills this guy, he he knows nothing about. He, like, yeah, he knows him, but not really like that. He's never grown up with Jin. He doesn't know. It's been Jin a couple like of that. weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. He just built him a grappling hook, but he believes in what Jin is not only as a person who will protect him, but as the ghost of the island who will protect it no matter what. That he is a key factor of the, of the freedom of these people, and that he's willing to lay his life not only for Jin but just for the idea and the cause of the ghost. So, mm-hmm. in those last moments, tries to kill the enemy, but ends up getting beheaded himself. Yeah, He takes the wildest swing at, at Kotun, and mm-hmm. just, it, it doesn't happen for, yeah. for, for poor Taka. It's, and it's a really sad scene. Talk about the amount of emotions you can hear in Jin's voice when he screams in pain, and you can see the suffering in his face of what's just happened. Not only has he lost someone that he's gonna ha- he not only is he gonna have to tell someone who's cared for this person their whole life his sister he's like i'm gonna have to break the news on what happened here and it's my fault like i shouldn't have Jin. i pretty much i believe blames himself for what happened to him because yeah. he was meant to go on his own and he dragged taka but taka willingly put himself in it he taka wasn't dragged in the sense of like oh yeah he looked genuine but he you know Jin was like come on like you know this is not you like you don't have to do this but taka wanted to do it and yeah you know it's very sad he's not only has he lost a very good friend that he just made but like i said he has to tell the bad news to someone who's basically sacrificed everything she has and owns to you know get him the life he deserved and then before we get to the two heaviest hitters we have a warrior monk named norio who's got his Mm -hmm. own baggage and appears in act two yeah but no this guy is the real deal uh his people are captured and they're basically put in a small cage in the ground and they're pretty much assuming that they're not gonna you know make it out he even assumes his his brother who is a uh or a warrior monk is basically dead that he hasn't heard a word from him he hasn't you know people said he was taken away to this certain place that is known to like they're never gonna come out of there they're basically they're they're taken there to get you know killed so his his story is sort of he lives in his brother's shadow and his brother has done so much and he's done so much for the monks and you know he wants to 
sort of be the same thing but he feels like he will never be but jen shores him that your brother inspired you to be these great things be what you know you inspired it to be you know do these great things for these even though they may not see it or they may not believe it but you know do what you think your brother wanted you to do because you know they like i said they both were the same thing basically so aside from those characters which join jen in his fight we have what i would consider plot wise to be the heavy hitters um there's a there's a there's a smaller scale one in Yuriko, mm. um, who resides at Jin's own home in Omi Village, and it's really her that's the catalyst between past and present. This is clinging to the the comforts of home, but she's also the catalyst for Jin learning how to make the poison, which really mm. solidifies his position of as the ghost at the end of Act 2 when he poisons the fermented milk and there's just this horrific display of Mongols, you know, vomiting up blood as they all collapse to the ground yeah, and Jin's and really embracing like this a identity. Small amount. Yeah, I know, like and it just takes a second. Little amount. So Yuriko is this quick. this bridge, I think, mm-hmm. between the beauty of the samurai life in Omi Village and the just bleak, upsetting, even, mm-hmm. you know, awful scene. The the fate um, of not only the Mongols, but after they learn how to use that poison, the fate of Tsushima's own people. Um, At least up to the, the north. Yeah. After, after that, in terms of heavy hitters, we have the two biggest heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. The first one is Ryuzo. Mm-hmm. A friend from Jin's childhood. This is Jin's child. This is your. If you're listening, this is your best friend from childhood. This is a guy mm-hmm. you grew up with. You had sleepovers with. You you know done everything. You went to school with. You know you got mm-hmm. in trouble with. You've done everything. This is basically a brother that you never had. This is what he was to Jin at least. And he lost a duel and took it personally. So he becomes mm-hmm. the leader of the Straw Hat Ronin, which is you know. We all know what the we all know what they look like. It's very iconic, the Straw Hat Roni. Mm-hmm. And Ryuzo, you know, Jin will help Ryuzo. Yeah. And he's looking out for his men, but the Khan has an offer. And the Khan is, you know, trying to deliver on that offer. And that offer is is the difference between Ryuzo and Lord Shimura. Shimura won't give in to the offer. Mm-hmm. Ryuzo will. And these two heavy hitters are the the deep have the deepest connection to Jin. So Ryuzo kind mm-hmm. of becomes your enemy. Yeah, he becomes not only your one of your biggest allies because he's a friend that has men, but when he sees the Khan and their people feeding his men, because he thinks that these new people he now protects is his family. It's sort of that weird thing where if now if you look at it in his perspective, it's his people being fed by the so so called enemy. But it's his blindness and dedication to protecting his quote-unquote family that brings him to like, oh yeah, I'm just protecting my people. But it's like you're protecting people in the expense of others. Like you're you're still putting like you're setting your people uh, aflames on a stake just because yeah, you want your men to a, eat. That's yeah, that's such a heart wrenching. He doesn't scene want because to do you it, can see but he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. So it's he's like open like, the gate. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you you don't want to do it, but you still did it, even though you know that it's not a good thing. And I understand that, you know, maybe you didn't want to do it, but you still did it. And it's sort of, he did it multiple times. It wasn't a one-time deal. This was multiple times he's done this. He had to have done this multiple times in order to get the trust of the con. He's a vehicle in which 
to showcase just how frightening Koton's intelligence is. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of somebody who only who is trying to do the right thing by doing the right thing for them and then asking mm-hmm. for allegiance. It's 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 very tragic what happened to Ryuzo, but Ryuzo it caught up with him. He never realized the mistake he was making, and to the end, he either tried to get Jin to stop what he was doing or fought him. Yeah, it's sort of how how would I say it's sort of he Khan used the the ones that were more easily pushed towards to be like, hey, be on my side, like. I'm gonna win this, so be on my side. You know, if you're part of it now, you know you're you're gonna get all the riches later, because yeah. the, honestly, even being on Jin's side, his offer was very pleasing because you're looking at the samurai is all slain, this island's being taken over. Who looks like the winning side? You know, who looks like who's gonna win this battle? It looks like them. So it's sort of join them or be destroyed along the way. It's the conflict of Ryuzo saying, do I go with Lord Shimura and the one other samurai and maybe possibly become a samurai myself? Mm-hmm. Or do I follow the money and go with Kotun Khan, who has armies and ships and supplies and food, most importantly? I, I will say that it's the idea that he never took the the pledge to protect the island serious because he like I said he changed like even though some people i will get to jenna how i feel about his character at the very end but he basically looked at at his island and basically said ah yeah i really don't care about who lives in it or what happens to it as long as i'm on the winning side which he basically turned his back on his own on his yeah. own kind and on his own island it's there there's a lot of layers to reuse though i he he's, yeah. he's a character that's just teetering the whole time it's frightening to watch unfold but honestly i did not feel bad once when i put him down when i when i when your character is jen and you sl- and you put him down it's sort of this is a punishment now that you have to take not only did you betray us you know your teammates but you know i'm putting you down for good because you're what you've done is unforgivable well he turns into that villain who's like looking oh, like, like that joking. ideological villain like oh yeah. come come join us come join us you know it'll be good when when he sees that Jin yeah. is winning in this yeah situation. he's like oh i was just joking i was just joking it's all a joke but it's sort of like you did those things and Look at and the he did it multiple tries. Yeah, it's like when Jin finally did. Yeah, it's like Ryuzo. not only did he do it, but it's the damage he's done with it. It's like irreparable. Mm-hmm. It's something some people do, but what he did was pretty much he can't. Yeah, you can't take that back. And we'll use this as a springboard to probably the most of like the heaviest of the heavy hitters, mm-hmm. Lord Shimura, spends Act One defying the promise that the Khan has for him that like if he just gives up he'll you know help him out he is the definition and the living embodiment of the code of honor that the samurai have taken and we see this so much in act two yeah he will not kneel he will not take anything he's very much i'd rather be beheaded instead of have being kneeled down to you and that's what he is which is a good but also bad thing because it's good because obviously it keeps a code of honor in the sense of we're not going to be to your level. We're going to, you know, 
many you know there's many like me and we're willing to put our lives on the line in order to protect this island but he's very ignorant and is blind to the code because he's not looking at how many young men and and people and families losing their children and fathers and mothers losing their sons and their husbands and sort of like you're putting so much blood and innocent lives at risk for some code that it's not going to work it's sort of if we follow this code, it's going to be the end of us. We have, this is an enemy that does not, is an enemy who does not respect this code. So why should we follow it? He doesn't take too kindly to the fact that Jin allied himself with a thief. He doesn't like mm-hmm. that Jin is using a technique that is un- unbefitting of a samurai. He doesn't like the, the whole assassination thing where he might, you know, attack an enemy from behind. Lord Shima is of the of the school that must go in, face his enemy, look them in the eyes. And I don't think... Or I think that the best example of why Lord Shimura isn't the most equipped to fight the Khan is near the end of Act 2, where he just sends his men across the bridge to die. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a blind code of honor of... Oh, we must uphold this code and, you know, we must fight till the very last man. But it's like the islands are like these are not men no longer fighting. I mean, some of them are there. Uh, you know, the the, 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 the uh, Shogun has sent, you know, more to the island. You know, they basically have contacted the mainland and they sent up uh, way more. And even Jin, given the offer where his uncle basically tells him. I'm adopting you, like, I'm making you my official son, like, when I pass, you know, this entire island and the legacy is yours, like, you basically will rule this island as, you know, as their lord, like, not only, like, are your lord already, but as their main lord, like, they will have to listen to you, like, but he's, obviously, his thing is, but you have to get rid of, you know, your ways of combat. Denounce says, the ghosts. Yeah, it's like, I understand what you did, and I, you know, I'm not applauding it, but I understand why you did it, but this should be the last I should hear of it. But like I said, when when you look at Jin's perspective, he's looking at his people being, you know, beheaded and destroyed and his island destroyed and animals destroyed, foxes destroyed. You know, the foxes are very sacred creatures that they shouldn't, The you know, the any not even any person who remotely knows the tradition of their island should and even deer. remotely touch. Yeah. The deer should never, like, those, these are creatures that you should not even tamper with. And the Mongolians understand that and they do it no matter what. And it's such a moment where it's sort of, like I said, these people don't under, they know our honor. They understand it. They know what they're doing. They're, they're not playing it as they're ignorant. They know what they're doing and they're doing it to break our spirit. So why fight fair who an enemy who won't even try to play fair? It's, it's the catalyst really between the old ways mm-hmm. being challenged and in challenging those old ways, you find success. But we're mm-hmm. just seeing this idea where those old ways are being upheld by one particular individual and his and th- those who follow him, even from the mainland. They are being torn down because following that old way after the damage has been done is is not working out for him at all. Yeah, it's like I said, the, you wouldn't... It's sort of like the reason why you even need backup is because the way that we're following has brought it to this, that our ways have, have long been like aged, like outdone. Like these people under, like I said, they understand what we, what we're capable and what we honor and what we believe. in. so they're just going to use, like I said, they're going to use that to twist our arm and, and use it against us. So 
you know, we'll we'll see what happens, you know, in our final opinion at the very last fight. But uh, you know, Jin does poison you know the people who taken over the main tower. Uh, mm-hmm. They escape towards the north to the snowy part, and Jin, you know, he basically pretty much embraces the ghost at that point. He's not embracing the sense of like he's a hundred, but he's like, I, I, I'll live this double life. It's sort of like I'll be Jin, but then I'll this, be right? ghost. Yeah, like let me handle this. Like even though my uncle said no, like we have to do. This. And then basically his uncle finds out, and like yeah, they won, but his uncle is such a like honor. Like I said, he's the walking of this is what we do, and this is our code. So he pretty much tells him. If you don't say right now that, you know, uh, uh, was it? Uh, he wants to blame Yuna because the show. Yuna, wants yeah, her she's head. a thief, yeah. They want someone's head. So it's like, it's more believable if they take Yuna. It's like, oh, yeah, she's a thief. Like, she forced him to do it. Maybe, like, they'll be like, oh, she used her womanly charms to make him do this and he was under her spell or something. But, you know, it's sort of like, and he, Jin is pretty much doubles down, like, hey, no, like, I did this. This is what I did. And I'll own up to it. And so he pretty he even much says it. He says he's the ghost. I'm like, that's a moment. Yeah, he he pretty much says, I'm sorry, uncle, even though we're family, I did this and I'm not backing down on what I did. And so his uncle in such a weird, petty way, he puts his fe- like I said, it's good because obviously he does put his feelings aside because he wants to have Jin as a son. But he puts his feelings aside to put the code in honor. But like I said, it's such a weird way where he's letting everything else go bad for them. But oh, it's all because of the code. But, you know, whatever happens. Jin is arrested, and then here comes uh, Kenji. Yeah, Kenji comes in, and this is where I said Kenji has a very uh, great moment where not only does he distract some of the Shogun there, he actually frees, you know, Jin. Jin tries to escape on his horse, but, of course... They can't stop with all the sad stuff. They, you know, kill your horse that you even you. Picked I know. From didn't the very we just lose Taka like yeah. two missions ago? <laughs> yeah, we, like we're losing everyone that we know. So now it's Jin in the north of the mountains. And it's all snowy, and he only has uh, basically Yuna left. So it's sort of like that's all he has left. It's like there's nothing else. And even his allies are sort of like, yeah, we're still quote unquote under your uncle's rule, but. We're going to help you more because you've done more for us than your uncle's ever done for the past entire time you've been on this island. It's like you've done for yeah. m- more for us in the past couple of weeks than you've ever done than your uncle's ever done for us. A few missions speaking, into part three and they, they come. They join. Yeah. And then talking to... Let's get back to some of the side characters. This is basically where part, part three of the island is where all the side characters' main side stuff come to their conclusion. So we'll mm-hmm. get to that part. So first, we'll we'll briefly touch on these. Let's st- mm-hmm. let's go ahead and start with Sensei Ishikawa, whose right, conflict so, with Tomoe comes to a head here. Yeah. So throughout the entire game, uh, Ishikawa has a, a, a apprentice called uh, Toei. She's basically pr- pretty much an archer who is just as good or even better than he is, and it's very scary because he is the best of the best. He's done things that you know no one else has done. So he's the Hawkeye of the. Yeah. Um, the ghost of Tsushima universe. <laughs> yeah, so he's pretty much created this monster. And even throughout the game, you see what she's done. She, she'll she'll help the Mongolians and she'll teach them how to use their arrows and all this stuff. And it's like so much things have been, you know, uh, you know, it's very sort of sort of to the very end. You're sort of like, this is it. We're going to have her head like this is this is it for her. Like she's done so much bad. that It's not redeemable until you're at this uh very you know cold mountain and then you meet uh, a lady on the trails and she asks you to if you can help her you know hunting 
and she you know she seems kind and she seems nice but then Jin is very if Jim is very intelligent he is not a, a a dumb man he's a very wise intelligent man he figures out it's Tomoe he even says it's like I was like just like before I go he was like why'd you do this Tomoe like he knows it's her from the get-go he's not dumb mm-hmm. And she basically says, like, I'm not here to fight. She says, I'm here to explain myself. And he's like, well, you have to explain to not only me, but, you know, Sensei uh, Ishikawa. Like, you have to explain what you did and sort of, you know, like, we're, no matter what you say, I've con- come to the conclusion I'm a, you know, I'm a gay. But she pleads to, like, at least let her explain to both of them. Yeah. But even with that, you know, Ishikawa is sort of like, no, like, we have to get her. Like, she has to go. She has to, you know, die. But then... And in a turn of events, they she you knows she helps them, and she basically is like, "I was sort of pushed to this direction, not with Ryu, uh, was it Ryujo? Like how he wasn't pushed to that direction; he just chose to do that path. Like I'm gonna betray my people and you know feed my men because that's what I wanted. He chose that path, but for her case, it's sort of she was pushed into that path in the sense of she was taught to survive no matter what. Yeah, you know, her whole life has been surviving and how." How much she needed to survive no matter what it was. But she also felt bad. And she never wanted to do it. But she was forced into that situation. So you do feel for her more than you do for uh, like uh, Ryuja. So you know she helps. She basically is like I'll help you save a bunch of people. You know for my freedom. She basically makes a deal. And then uh, you know they do that. And they you know they're having this big battle. And then it seems that Tomoe runs away. To kind of like get away and kind of betray them. But then. Tomoe sort of keeps her promise, but she keeps her promise to leave on a boat to go to the mainland. She basically says, yeah. I'm leaving, but not to pursue the life I've I've done here. She's sort of like, I'm leaving to actually 100% leave this life I'm no longer willing to even, like, endure. Like, I'm no longer being an art, like an archer. Like, I'm not part of any samurai cult or nothing. She's like, I'm leaving because I genuinely feel bad at what I did. And she's not running away from her problems. She's sort of running away the idea that if she, you know... She wants to be different. She wants to do good. And that's yeah. where the whole, like, conflict ends, where it's sort of, you know, was she good in, in the beginning and she had good intentions and she was trying to do the best and she was just forced in this situation? Or is she just a really good liar and she left without, you know, she's the one that got away and she's the one that won't have to deal with, you know, her war crimes. So it's it, sort of a weird ending. It's a dynamic side quest line. That starts out being about one character's, you know, failures and becoming more about mm. one character's, you know, redemption. And our our third act is also where we get the end of Masako's story, where we have that, mm-hmm. that fight. I think it's the second to last one where you fight against her. Yeah, Masako is where you find out who... So, in a very early mission, they, they, one of the guys who was part of her, her family's massacre basically says her sister name, but she says, no, like, she was there. Like, I saw her. Like, she was massacred. But it's sort of that the person I buried was so torn to pieces that it, she just assumed it was her, that she couldn't even tell if it was her or not. She just assumed. In all reality, it was her sister who was still alive. Her mm-hmm. sister is alive, and she betrayed her entire family, and not yeah. only, her, like say her sister but her like basically her like her sister's grandchildren and her children you know her nieces her nephews and her nieces and their children so it's sort of like why and it's this is where we learn that she hates her sister so much because she was forced into an abusive relationship because you know 
she basically says that I was abused my entire life. Even though in the outside they seem to be a perfect, they even said like, oh, you know, she married a rich guy, you know, he seemed nice and this and that. But in reality, that she was pretty much in a very abusive relationship, and she was abused, and she resented her sister for that. So she pretty much was like, it's your fault that I'm in this abusive situation. And I'm miserable, so now I'm gonna make you feel what I felt. But in my opinion, I think she went a little too far. But like, you know, like, hey, you could have just done this to the guy who was doing the abusive stuff to you and not to your sister because she didn't know it's like moscow didn't know like if i'm pretty sure if she would have known she would have never let you stayed it's sort of that whole mentality of these people who hide in shadows and hide in a coat who seem nice but yet in the you know behind curtains they're very evil and have these evil intentions sort of like people don't know you can't blame someone who doesn't know the person's two intentions when they're so good at hiding it but you know she let like i said she let her rage and her judgment you know be based like be based on her anger so she just did what she did and i still think that what she did was unforgivable and she pretty much took i think she i think she ends up just like killing herself i think I believe that's what she does, her sister. It's and Moscow been a while sort of, since I've done this mission yeah. chain. <laughs> so it's pretty much Moscow sort of like she now has to live with the burden of not only is her family gone, but someone she trusted betrayed her. And she does kind of now feel responsible what happened to her family because she's like, well, if I would have known she was going through this, I would never would have done it. So it's a very... Uh, not even a watch it's a very sad ending for her at least with like everyone else there's somewhat of a closure with hers it's sort of there's no closure for her she will walk the rest of these her rest of her days with this like cloud in the sky and jen yeah, will Masako has the though. darkest storyline yeah. maybe in the entire game hers goes yeah. down the darkest a, path a dark cloud basically will follow her for the rest of her life but jen does say that no matter what she does, that she will always be a dear friend to him, and that if she needs anything, that she, he will always be there for her, no matter what. And then Norio's also ends in Act Three, I believe. He 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 goes to his temple and they find it, but what's messed up is that the temples are being taken over and they're being you know not taken care of. But he you know fights it off. But then there's a sacred part of the temple where no one has been allowed in there, and there's a reason why. He finds his brother his brother's still alive but his brother has been amputated from every limb that he has so he has nothing he's basically just torso on the ground and his brother has been tortured and beaten to such a point where he even demands his own brother to take his life because he says i do not want to live like this even though his brother pleads for him to stay he demands for not demand but he pleads to him to just end it because he no longer wants to live not in the sense of he is given up but in the sense of how much pain he's in he doesn't want to be seen in such a way and so then so norio and Jin both agree that oh we're gonna find the guy responsible and so like yeah like you know Jin's like well we know i'll back you up like we'll get him in justice but then out of the blue you know Jin wakes up and then he finds out that norio went on his own and norio goes on mm-hmm. a full town rampage and just slaughters everyone there and they're not the innocent they are the enemy but it's sort of in a monstrous way he goes in town and just it's very it's a very stark contrast to the warrior monk sort of like they're warrior they're meant to protect and not seek out trouble they're meant to you know find justice and you know their own thing too the point where he actually he does it and he no longer wants to be called he no longer wants to be the monk of the he's like he's pretty much like on his own at that point 
And Jin, he's Jin understands. He's like, I know. It's like I'm not here to judge it because you know I'm not in a better, a better scenario myself. But you know, don't be that anymore. Like, be different. Like you did. You know, he's like, it worked this time. But what if next time there were civilians here, and you know, you could have really gone not only yourself hurt, but innocents hurt. So, you know, the same thing with him is that he had Nori has to live with this cloud in his, you know, and not only like I said on him, like. He just has to walk around with this big cloud of what he's done to the to those people. He yeah. made an oath not to do it, but he he did it anyways. There's these all these side quests coming to a head, and and before we get to the the remainder of Act Three, it's worth mentioning that there are a separate set of side quests that mm-hmm. a shamisen player gives you throughout Tsushima called the Mythic Tales, and these are exciting moments where Jin has to go on kind of like like a mini quest whether it's finding certain locations from a picture or you know going through a quest line where he has to defeat certain enemies to gain powers or special armors or special weapons that help you know give him that that storyteller vibe that that legend vibe where you have something that's only talked about in the tales that that gets equipped like the lightning attack that's a cool one Mm -hmm. um there's some armors and all that stuff just thought we'd briefly mention that because they are strewn about the all three acts and there's like two or three per and those are cool but Mm -hmm. getting back to the main plot here we are searching out a way to defeat Koton Khan because he's at the docks. He's getting ready to sail for the mainland. He's pretty much trying to use the poison that he learned and to poison the mainland. It's such a mass yep. destruction and mass, like, it's just going to be a massacre on the mainland if he ever reaches. So then Jin has to find a way to stop his fleet into getting, and so he does find a way, but in the sense of he needs, he needs his uncle's help. And, and this leads us to what I consider to be the hardest mission in the game, even though it's not, I, I did it twice in the past like two weeks and <laughs> but when I originally did it sneaking around the samurai to get to Lord Shimura's um, quarters that's 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 a four stealth mission that I could see being tough for people <laughs> um the first go around but the the aim here is to get a letter asking for help maybe put our differences aside help me defeat the Khan. like if you really care about your island you'll help you'll help me no matter what I done like I'm sorry for what I did but this is not about us. It's about the island. We must protect it and also mainland Japan. So, you know, he goes through with it. He, they help each other. They All all his allies come together. And, and, you know, Jin, as the ghost, pretty much goes in and he defeats, you know, Kodo and defeats the fleet. And they don't leave the main. They don't, they don't leave uh, Shishima. Like, everything is pretty much good. He kills him. He, you know, he defeats him, you know, the fight was pretty intense. He's pretty, you know, when you're at that, even with everything like that, I knew every ability, he's still a pretty tough enemy to defeat, but yeah, switches out the weapons, like some of the enemies in the DLC. So your stances come in handy when you're fighting Koten Khan. Yeah, but pretty much he wins, like, you know, they win and all this stuff happens. And it's like a couple days later. And then uh, Lord Shimura asked for his uh, appearance. Like, you know, he asked for yeah, it to Yeah, at meet the old him. sparring circle in Omi Village. At the old sparring where they first, you know, where he first taught him how to hold a sword and how to fight. And it, this is the the highlight mission. This is the yeah. tale of Lord Shimura. This is something where you see yeah. that on the screen and you're like, I know something's about to go down right so here. This is going to be Before heavy. we get... <laughs> 
to the last mission, we didn't talk about Jin much. All we know that we talked about Jin is from other characters' yeah. perspective. But Jin as a character, Jin grew up as a son of a lord. Him and his, you know, his father and his uncle were basically, you know, they're brothers and they're both lords of this island. His father was uh, slain by a group of bandits. And Jin feels so responsible for his father's death because he feels like if I could have just been strong enough to hold the sword and fight back, I could have saved my father. So Jin also has this very deep, heavy stone on him of, of guilt. And he's sort of just like he wants to be the samurai that his uncle trained him to be. He wants to be the protector of the island. So you get this sort of moral understanding of why he does what he does. He, if he can't protect not even one little old lady, what's the point of him being anything he's Mm -hmm. he has his motive to protect the ones he cares about and once he when he fails yeah when he fails he feels so much like he feels so much pain because he's like not even at this point can i protect the ones i care about so that's why like sataka dies he feels so much grief because he feels like even at this point i'm not doing enough to protect the people i care about it's like i said once you know the character's backstory you understand what they do so even if the expense of his honor and his uncle he does what he does so then now we're at the point where this whole journey of war just happened and here comes lord shimmer he basically tells him that the shogun are not only disbanding his clan that his basically his name no longer exists that he'll basically be erased from existence his home his home is gone they're taking out all the his family lineage like it's all gone like there's not gonna be any like jin like no some more sakais are gonna exist like they're gone and then lord shimmer basically tells him like not only did the shogun do that they gave me one final mission and that's for us to fight because i because in their eyes the shogun Lord Shimmer allowed Jin to be what he was, even though he knew about it. So they're like, you have to fight Jin and basically die in battle or bring him to us with his head. And then it's a whole sparring match, and they have one last, they write their last haiku. I know, that's that's the most, like, goosebumps-inducing moment when they're right, when, when your final haiku is right there. There's There's no, like... Yeah, it's like all of a sudden you're in haiku mode. It's like, oh god, here yeah, we go. It's <laughs> your last words to each other as even and this will kind of say that's what I don't want to say last words in general. This is your last words to each other sure. because when you spar and you win, there's two endings. We don't know what's canon. Maybe in the, if they make a sequel that they say they would, maybe or even the TV show that they said they're making, maybe we find out what's the canon ending. Ooh. Now both endings, I have played through both endings. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have a very cool bonuses and doing a new game plus run mm-hmm. to get the other bonus. So you a white costume for the ghost armor and a red costume for the ghost armor. But both endings have their merits. Both endings are extremely sad and tragic, but both have their merits. So the first ending I chose back when I played the PS4 version was to have Jin kill Lord Shimura. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord Shimura asked for a warrior's death. Obviously, Lord Shimura has failed. And it, don't call it a failure, I guess, but in, in the sense, he has. Um, mm-hmm. And I played Jin as a samurai. Not because I didn't like the stealth mechanics. I actually think this game has my favorite stealth mechanics, but I always wanted to play Jin as a samurai. So I felt like maybe the maybe giving him his warrior's death would keep him teetering between samurai and ghost. 
Like, maybe the choice isn't so black and white. Maybe it's gray. Maybe the samurai code still has its merits in this ending, but it does leave Jin crushed, defeated, sad, and downtrodden at the end. It's the most it's the most tragic outcome for Jin, you know, slaying his uncle. But from the samurai point of view, it seems like maybe as somebody who's no longer a samurai, stripped of name and title and rank and family even, that this was... This is the choice that I think might be like the hero choice. It does give you the white armor, but it's it's not so it's not black and white in Ghost of Tsushima because the kill Lord Shimmer or the 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 spare Lord Shimmer ending has just as much merit in my opinion. It's just as tragic, but acceptable of an ending. My ending when I played Jin was to actually keep his uncle alive to not kill him. To embrace the ghost as this sort of like, if I'm no longer Jin Sakai, then I'm the ghost of the island and there's nothing you can do about it. I know that sounds weird, but the way I look at it is even though Jin at this very moment, he threw away everything, his name, his honor, his pride, everything for the protection of the island. He gave up his entire uh, lineage and then his entire name and his entire rank and his entire code and all this he gave it up for the protection of the island and in even though his mistakes is what made them a little bit more stronger he rectified that and you know corrected that wrong he pretty much and i still think had the honor to clean up his mess and that's why for me if even after all that he's sacrificed so much and this shogun still won't let him keep his rank or they still won't for in all this stuff I said, nah, I said, no, none of that. I said, at this point, he's no, if he's no longer a samurai, then why should he follow the samurai code? He's the ghost. He's going to do whatever he wants. And for me, it's also saying that I won't kill the only, at this point, it's sort of, it's the last piece of family he has left. It's sort of like, you're my only living relative. I'm not going to lose you on something that I can't even rectify by doing it. Like, even if I do it, it's not going to change their opinion of what's going to happen to me. So for me, it was sort of, I'm not killing my only living relative and I'm no longer Jin Sakai. I'm the ghost. And then he leaves and basically pretty much lives his life as the ghost on the island. What sticks with me is when you're riding with Lord Shimura before the finale and he tells Jin that you taught our people to defy our leaders. What makes you think they'll listen to you? And I think that works because we know times will change we know that that code is not going to be upheld forever so when i look at the two endings i look at killing lord shimura as the teetering between ghost and samurai and the sparing for just full-on acceptance of ghost at that point eventually Jin, if if he defeats lord, uh, lord shimura at the end he will eventually get to that point where he just denounces the samurai and becomes the ghost it all mm-hmm. all roads seem at least plot wise in in the way I look at it will lead to that maybe not exactly through Jin but he'll be the catalyst for things to come in potential sequels as as mm-hmm. you know games are produced that's just they they both have their merits I think they're both he- heading toward the same direction through a different way now as far as your little base after you finish um traditions end which is the spare Lord Shimura is much more colorful. And I kind of like the red armor. It grew on me a little more than the white armor did. But the platinum armor and also the new game plus armor, 
I think they're better. They're better than than both of them. <laughs> the new game plus armor, especially it's like white, purple, and yellow. It's really cool. But yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. What a game! It's just it's so much we can talk about the game, but it's just it's just like I say it's this defines a generate uh, a, a PS4 game. This define that console sort of like the end of it where. They figured it out how to work, but then here comes a new generation. So it's sort of glad that it, they kind of re-release it for PS5. Yeah, and, and it does work very well on the PS5 too. At a smooth 60 with no loads. I will give it. It broke my R2 on my white dual sense. It, it did break my. Oh R2. yeah. If I had to say one thing feedback. about this game, it broke my <laughs> negative <laughs> dual sense features. Brought my. <laughs> I guess if I have to say one negative thing too, I accidentally saved my uh, new game plus on my old save. Uh, and it's kind of easy to do it. It's not like, oh, you sure? It's sort of like it's really easy to do it. So it's sort of be careful on how you save your game because you can save your new game plus on your already working progress on your first game plus, and then all that progress you've done is just out the window because you can't go back and get it. It's very easy to s- oversave saves in this game. So thankfully, like beelining the, the story on new game plus, which I tried specifically to talk about here, only takes about seven hours. Mm-hmm. And then Iki Island, you can access from. Uh, act two. You know, I mean, been in the game. Yeah, you could just you could start it. it. And we will talk about Iggy Island in the future here. Um, it's just it. Some parts of it are better than the main game. It's incredible how good the <laughs> Sucker Punch always does some really good DLCs. I remember First Light for for Second Son was good, but mm-hmm. overall, I mean, from from everything, the the armor sets that give you different powers and the charms that give you stat boost and everything. Ghost of Tsushima just. It, it's constant it's a constant it's not even a drip feed they mm-hmm. are just blasting you with stuff that just makes the game more fun more exciting to do whatever you want be it plot or side quests or little things that happen that aren't part of quests that are just kind of cool so what a nice living breathing open world we got here the ranking i would give this game is i would give it a 9 out of 10 and the reason why i'm not giving it a 10 out of 10 is because if they make a sequel i know it's going to be better than the first one and i hope that's the case because i really want a sequel to this and i said i i said this multiple times i want it where Jin travels to the mainland because this story has basically traveled so far it's it's beyond his his own legend himself and it's called ghost from tsushima and oh, you know they cool. could, it's ghost from Tsushima and it's like he has to like mainland Japan's under so much like battles and there's so much things factions going on and that he's basically not a leader of a radical group but he's sort of the idea of you know we can the people can take care of themselves we don't need such a higher shogun power to always save everything that the people themselves can do what they like it, there's a need for for people who can't protect themselves and the shogun won't do it that's sort of the idea i don't know it's it, it, it you know it's up to circle punch if they want to do it i hope they do a sequel and i hope it's not like a, a different timeline a different character i hope it continues a Jin storyline if maybe if they do a different character different start uh timeline i'm fine with that but the gameplay stuff was really good and there's just one thing i want to bring up because i thought it was oh i had one, one more thing too that we best moments <laughs> um so reusual has these straw hats legendary fighters around the oh. map and all oh, those when you fight them like you have when to you find fight them, them it's amazing <laughs> the first time i saw the one in the in the in the like wheat fields i, w- yes. I was not expecting it and it just happens in front of you yeah it's one of them nuts. is one of my favorites because he's actually the only one that has honor and it's 
it was he meet him on the beach and he basically tells him like i don't really care for reusions like i just wanted to fight an actual good warrior he's pretty much the definition of honor in a good way where he's like i just wanted to fight such a good fighter and you're just the best at it and i i'm willing to die to like he's like either i win and kill you or i die in honor because you're such a great warrior those are that was probably my favorite side missions and the thing i was gonna bring up that we totally didn't touch on the golden birds and the guiding wind oh, what a yeah. great idea to not have a map a mini map but yeah always oh, know yeah. where you're going or going somewhere cool just by no playing the game yeah there, there's just, a map yeah you can you access can a map. activate the map you can make a waypoint for the wind but if you follow those birds they'll always take you to something new if you're not sure if you just want to do something follow a bird it'll take you to a shrine or it'll take you to some bamboo or it'll take you to an encampment I love the screen being able to show me the game and not yeah, it's, it's a bunch all of clutter. Game, yeah, no clutter, and I like that too. I hate when games have just clutter and clutter where it's like if you cut this game, if you were to cut this game by the clutter, it's still like only like I would say like 25% of it, or not even like less than that is just cut out. The rest of it is all game and just mm-hmm. you're playing it. And and so like I said, the reason why the traveling is so easy because even though you don't have like a mini map and, and way to show you how to go there, when the wind just shows, like I said, you can just travel however you want. There's no real obstacle in your way. You can travel however you want. And so, yeah, the wind's always going to guide you in the right direction. Follow the wind. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more we can talk about this, but we can go on for hours. But I, I think we've pretty much said what we had to say. Would we give it the legendary thing? where we say this game gets markers on the map highest recommendation. The last time we did that was Donkey Kong Country 2. The highest honor of recommendation to play. Mm-hmm. This Absolutely. is getting a, a platinum seal of this is the markers on the map approved to play. I think there's only one game ever that I like more than this, and we <laughs> we don't need to talk about what it is. We already know it's <laughs> Persona 5. But, I mean, this is the fact that this is, like, just right under that is a testament to just how amazing Ghost of Tsushima is. Highest recommendation from, from the two of us. What a just a remarkable achievement. What a, what a game. What a story. What a world. So, before we wrap it up for this week... I do have a Nintendo Direct rumor, because I don't think it would be fair to end the year off without having one. <laughs> a what? You heard it here first. <laughs> Pikmin Soul of the Samurai. How thematically appropriate. Captain's Log. This is Captain Kaze. My ship has crash-landed on a strange world. Grim, dark, and full of electric storms. I do feel the need to exit from the ship to seek out repairs, though I do not know if the atmosphere is breathable. I will need to use an apparatus from on board for breathing to be regulated on this uncharted world. As I step out, I feel the eyes of the unknown staring daggers at me. Is this world only filled with hostiles? No. There is an army rallying behind me as though I am some kind of savior. Maybe these creatures can help me find the repairs I need. End log. The Samurai Moon, a world many light years away. Kaze finds himself stranded facing threats he's never seen before. Bipedal insects carrying swords and shields that try to cut him down at every turn. Archers who wield the power of constant electric storms to harness energy for their arrows. And there's even an odd form of technology that rivals what's built into Kaze's own ship. But he's not alone in his endeavors. 
Strange creatures called Pikmin, who are about half his size, rally to his command and follow orders with the help of his almighty whistle. In complete sync with the samurai moon, the mythical totem of destiny allows Kaze to raise nearby Pikmin from their underground slumber and beckon them to his side. Scavenge the violent lands for weapons and armor to augment their strengths and imbue them with new abilities in the most combat-focused Pikmin adventure to date. Travel and set up camp to shelter Kaze and the Pikmin from enemies upon nightfall, or continue the trek along, facing some of the game's most dangerous enemies. Use the Pikmin's unforetold strength to carry felled creatures back to camp for sustenance, or to transport repair parts and energy sources back to the ship through camp teleportation technology. Direct Pikmin and separate your forces to divide and conquer approaching villainous factions from multiple directions at once and use Kaze's own fighting ability in intense third-person hack-and-slash combat. Solve tricky puzzles and take on massive boss encounters while preventing Pikmin from being cut down in moss in a massive sprawling world on a miniature scale. What are the secrets of the Samurai Moon? Will Kaze ever make it home? And just what makes the Pikmin so special? Find out when Pikmin, Soul of the Samurai, slashes its way onto the Nintendo Switch. Well, if it's anything like Ghost of Tsushima, I could go for a Samurai Pikmin game. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, uh, we'll see Samurai Pikmin. I mean, the last one was Pikmin 3. Will this be Pikmin 4? They had Hey Pikmin for the Nintendo 3DS, but I wouldn't count that as a main series. Pikmin 4 is this rumored is to be in development. Yeah, this, like, Pikmin's never been a combat thing, but this one sounds like there's a combat element to it. Like, not your traditional Pikmin game. Like, a RTS light, yeah. but you take control of characters and, and do combat. Well, I ain't gonna have to see in the next one, never the next direct. Hopefully we have one before the year ends. Probably not, but maybe in the beginning of the new year. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's probably gonna be tomorrow. If I had to make a guess, the next Nintendo Direct will be tomorrow. Hopefully it is. All you gotta do is play this episode. When when they announce a direct, all you gotta do is play this episode, listener, before the direct, the day before the direct, and I'll be right. It will be tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so, before we sign out for this week, we did mention last week that um, the show will be taking a small brief break so we can kind of recharge our batteries refine the format get some new um segments going here and play some games and you know kind of get those juices running meditate on it a little bit and we will return with brand new episodes on february 11th there are a lot of good episodes to check out or revisit until then i'm really proud of our metroid dread episode I am really proud of our episode with the Time Warp Marker, which is the 50th episode. It's a celebration of 1988's, you know, positioning in the video game industry. Um, There is Tales from the Map, another long-form episode like this, which I believe is 62? It it was, it's all about Village. And there is, I think episode 37 is when we had our first guest on the podcast, um, and we had a huge Fall Guys episode, so there are a lot of greatest hits and long-form episodes that you can check out. Of course, I, I love every episode, um, but I mean, we're the ones that work hard on this podcast, so we appreciate everybody listening to any episode. And, and we always try to keep it accessible and allow for people to hop in at any time. There's there's some jokes and characters, but we're not you know running a fancy plot here. Uh, we just like to make it fun. Uh, so 
February 11th will be the episode after this. That'll be episode 72. I believe we're going to start out with our top plays or maybe like a, a refresher episode and then top plays. Um, I haven't quite come up with a plan yet, but the show will be, we're going to refine it, make it better than ever before. So we just really appreciate any support we get and yeah thank you so much so uh as always thank you guys for listening please follow us on twitter at markers on the map the twitter will of course be active during the break and um listen to us on apple podcasts where you can leave a good rating and review download an episode subscribe listen to us wherever you go and if you don't like apple podcasts as always we are on google podcasts spotify and our podbean site with links on our twitter at markers on the map so for right now i guess there's not much left to say except of course for what we always say and that is that the real samurai warriors katana was the friends we made along the way so we'll see you next time bye later